3: to an exclusive on Podhub Network, your city,
4: your podcast.
1: All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to the Berg. Um, th- I guess you could say this is a small business spotlight episode. There's only one guy that's from Western PA here. Uh, so this is a small business spotlight episode that we've been doing. Um, the podcast is brought to you by the Podhub Network, by the way. Um, so I'll introduce everybody since two faces you probably recognize. So uh, I'll introduce the one that you don't know first. Uh, With me is Vince Duffy. Uh, He's the founder of Meta New in the greater Pittsburgh area. Um, It's a company that I guess you guys work with sports psychology. If you want to elaborate, you can.
4: Yeah, absolutely. We performance psychology, whether you're an athlete, business, professional student, we're all just about bringing mental wellness and well-being to the human and just helping them make an impact and grow in life.
1: Yep, awesome! Can't wait to talk about that more later. Um, and then at the bottom here, we got two, in my opinion, two pirate greats from my, at least from my childhood. We have Alex Presley and Michael McHenry. Guys, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thanks for having us. Thanks yeah, for making thanks. us feel old. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was, I was hey, really I'm not was down. I'm <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> <Outhood. Yeah. laughs> You got a beard
0: than I got. Hey, Pat, you still look good. You're still young. <laughs> age is just a number, right?
1: Exactly, age is just a number. So now let's get into it. Um, I, like I was telling you guys, the show we usually start out with early life, you know, um, stuff that you grew up with. So, what was something you guys like outside of baseball? You just you love to do. Like, if that was, if you could make that a career path instead
4: of baseball, what would have been?
0: Lead it off, Vinny. Come on.
4: That's tough. Uh, <laughs> h- hobby wise, I love to cook. So I'm I a big that. Italian. So a lot of food growing up. Been in the kitchen mm. since I was 10. So they got any
0: meatballs, <laughs> right, Vinny?
4: <laughs> <laughs> probably getting a, a restaurant together. I love business. So, but probably a cook or restauranteer or something in that direction.
1: Nice. What about you, Alex?
3: Uh, I like art when I was a kid. I don't think I would have been an, art, would have been an artist, but um, probably not the most lucrative profession for me, but uh, it was fun. I like video games, but I mean, who didn't when they were a kid? So um, love to draw and stuff like that. And actually I haven't done it in probably 20 years. So I can't imagine what, what that <laughs> well, would look it's, like it's at this point. <laughs> I,
1: I have friends that, you know, they're kind of trying to make careers out of being artists. Now it's cool to see their grind from like a ground level. You know they're all constantly trying to get projects out, and it's it's really fascinating to watch. And I try to uh, help them out as much as I can.
3: Yeah, it's it's got to be a tough profession. It's an, it's impressive what what those guys do for yeah, sure. Alex Absolutely.
4: would probably be the uh, art dealer or art broker.
3: Yeah, I'd be a broker <laughs> of some sort. I can wheel and you deal got, you for you.
1: Eye, you have an eye <laughs> for art. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
3: Maybe we'll see.
1: <laughs> Mike, what about you, Ben?
0: Ah. Uh, just the childhood you're talking about yeah um my first love was basketball um, oh nice and then i realized i was going to be vertically challenged <laughs> and uh you know baseball took its own role but um i was such a high strong strong will kid i just wanted to go and go and go so it was hard to get me to settle down and do anything i probably wouldn't even color it in the lines alex i was i was coloring <laughs> i was i was running out the door to you know play the next game or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'd say basketball is my thing and you know, I played it in high school and I'm five nine, and I'm not Muggsy Bones. So I decided, <laughs> you know, baseball is my thing and I think I made a good decision.
1: Yeah, hey, I mean, there's a lot of people <laughs> with that same challenge, you know. I, I was actually talking to um, a, a guy, Donovan Jeter. He's a defensive tackle for Wolf- Michigan Wolverines. And he was an amazing basketball player for Beaver Falls in Pennsylvania. And yep. I asked him, I was like, would you have played two sports in college if you would given the choice? And it was like, he's he's a big guy, six one, probably. He was like, listen, I was a big guy and like I can't play a big man in college basketball. <laughs> you can't be six one and do that.
0: <laughs> that was the problem with me, is like as I went up, you know, I got older and older, I went from being the big kid at five nine and in like early middle school. And I wanted to stay there because it's so much fun pushing those guys around in the box, getting rebounds. But then they were like six five two years later, and then all of a sudden they were six seven, and I was the point guard. And I was like, I think I probably need to get out of here. Uh,
3: Mike was Mike was a massive kid at the Little League World Series, where everybody's like, dang, look how big that, that kid's bigger than I am.
0: Yeah. Hey, let's not talk about that. It's really sensitive. They told me i 6 three. I'm still mad about it.
1: Now, speaking of baseball, let's talk about when you when all of you found your love for baseball, uh, whether it was early on or later on. Uh, let's start with Alex this time.
3: I don't really know. I feel like I've always loved baseball. I don't remember a specific moment or anything like that. I just remember, you know, always getting out out in the yard and throwing the ball around and and just something that I just kind of took to. Um, I love all sports, really. So I was always playing something. I didn't I didn't have to play it. You know, recreationally, I could be out by myself, uh, just the weird kid by himself shooting baskets or something. But, like, um, it just feels like it's something I've always done. Like, I honestly don't remember not having it, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. But I always loved watching it on TV, watch, watch, watch uh, Major League Games and stuff like that. So it was just always there, it, so it seemed. Yeah, what about you, Mike?
1: Is that kind of the same sentiment? Is, it's always been there?
0: Um, I popped out of the womb. Um, and and liked baseball. Uh,
1: You're just holding yeah. a bat, the ball. Um,
0: yeah, I actually came in full uniform.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> I popped out, and it was a it was a feet first slide and safe. It was a uh, pretty pretty good. And I came out early because I wanted to get my early work in. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's very similar to press. I was. If he was weird, I was weird too because I always playing sport. I broke a bunch of windows, um, you know, throwing the tennis ball against the house. Um, I hit the neighbor's house with golf balls, whatever. I mean, I was just like I said, I was always going. Um, broke a lot of fences. Me and Alex talked about that because I used to hit pears and like okay. walnuts because it was in the backyard and I wanted to hit and nobody was around and I usually was pretty annoying about it because I wanted to do it so bad and. I'd go shoot baskets like press, but I tried to pretend like I was Michael Jordan. I'd usually like try to find a highlight uh, tape at like Goodwill and I'd get it and I'd put it in the VCR. I had to say that because you made us feel old anyways. (laughs) I used a VCR and I got there and like, you know, have the like thought of the bulls theme song and everything. It was, yeah. I mean, sports was life for a long time. I guess it kind of still is
1: yeah absolutely and Vince what about you like I feel I feel like we could have similar ideas of when we fell in love with baseball because growing up PNC Park was just built um
4: you know just going there all the time maybe is that is that true yeah for sure I think uh my dad was a high school football coach so like Mike and Alex said played all three sports being around the game coach's son water boy running around just to go get the balls and whatnot but I have this one moment where uh, I think I was three years old for Valentine's Day. My parents got me my first baseball mitt and it was a plastic mitt, but I remember taking it to a game, pirate game, wearing my pirate jersey. And that's where I really feel like I got in love with the game and like was just obsessed with it. And that's how all sports were my whole life. And still now I'm just obsessed with it. So it's always been there. But PNC Park, I mean, we grew up with it. And just to see the stadium, the atmosphere at that young age, I mean, it's like a masterpiece, right? It's a Picasso.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) we were talking about before we started, you know, we grew up watching Brian Giles, Jason Kendall. Those (laughs) were our idols when we were real little kids. And it was cool to be able to just go to the stadium. And it was fairly, fairly cheap to go. And they may not have been that good at the time, but we, that's how we fell in love with baseball. And I feel like if you're not from Pittsburgh, you just
4: don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then if you remember in uh, right field, they used to have, I think they still do now, but that little uh, kid's field, to run around bases and whatnot. And yeah.
2: Playing.
4: Well, when we were little, little, like we used to go watch for a few innings, and it was like, I got to go play. I got to go play. So yep. when we were playing like handball or like rundown or something, it was just obsessive, and it, it was just a great time.
1: Yeah, no, I remember hitting a few uh, wiffle balls over the over the fence yeah. there. <laughs> in the river. My dad yeah. wasn't happy about that. He just spent, what, <laughs> like $10 on that and so in the river already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So now, sure. when did you guys uh, start to think, hey, baseball could be the, my future? Whoever wants to start with that one. I'll start. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, go.
0: go. I'll go. There you go. Go, Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> mix it up. So, uh, re- like, realistically, in my heart, I was probably five or six. I got my first glove, and my – I didn't know it at the time, but my step-grandfather um, – gave me that glove. And he said, one day you're going to have that in the big leagues. Looking back, thinking about having that glove in the big leagues is terrifying. Uh, But that's another story. Um, I still have the glove. And it, it was that moment where I was like, yep, I'm going to do it. And, you know, we, we do like sports psychology and mental health and wellness. And we really focus on the human being. And, you know, there's, there's such a strong correlation to you know, believing something and having, like, especially as a little boy, a grown man tell you, you're going to do something. He didn't say, I hope. He didn't say, I pray. He said, you're going to. And this is the time where, like, you know, I didn't even really care if I had a glove. Just throw things at me. I'd let it hit me if I had to. (laughs) Like, I just wanted to play. That's why you're a catcher, right?
1: You just jump in front of the ball?
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I had to beg for a while to play catcher. Like. Like press that out they called me man child so like i threw really hard and you know they didn't want that guy behind the plate they wanted him on the (laughs) mound and everywhere else so um but yeah that's when i like genuinely like had the thought and then honestly like like i told you like probably to a default i was very strong-willed um it's my greatest attribute and you know probably my biggest weakness um most of the time and even in high school, I had a plan to go to college, leave my junior year. I hit 169 my junior year, and I literally still had that plan. It never changed. And I just said, I have to do it. Like, this is my thing. I'm, I'm going to do it. And I can't tell you how often I was told I was never going to do it. And I did it. And it was really special process and journey, I guess, because it was so long. And yeah, it, it was such a, like, I don't know, cool step-by-step.
1: Yeah, no, that's really awesome, Prez. What about you? If I can call you that, I know yeah, go ahead. Kind you're, of like a, you're
3: you're like a teammate now. Go for it. I love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> what? I guess I guess the point is when like dreams match reality or meet reality at a certain point. Like, um,
0: I knew you were going to say that.
3: No, you didn't. <laughs> that was really good.
0: I I know. I was like, he's going to drop some like wisdom about like <laughs> he had to know it for a fact. I yes, love
3: I did. It. So, so yeah. like. <laughs> obviously like we always knew we were good growing up but we didn't know how good you needed to be you know like because um I grew up in Louisiana we'd always go over to Texas Rangers games in Arlington so like watching those guys I remember thinking you know those are those guys are larger than life like can I those aren't even real people on the field like is that something that I can really do even though I know I'm really good you know so I always had those dreams of, of playing on that field so um Keep plugging away, plugging away, you know, high school, uh, college. Uh, had a tough sophomore year in college. Went to the Cape League that summer and whoops, tore it up. Like, I don't even know. How, first off, I don't know how I even got invited to go. Then <laughs> I tore it up. So I'm like, all right, like this is this is something. Because, you know, it's, a, it's the most prestigious summer league there is. And um, so it became a reality. So my junior year, I go in and I had a really good year. And, and that's kind of the point where I was like, all right, like I'm onto something here. Cause I knew I was going to get drafted. I didn't know when, but prior to that, I didn't really think about getting drafted. I don't really know how to describe it. Like I was just thinking about playing and like having fun and playing hard. So that's kind of when stuff started to get, you know, in my head, like, all right, I got something that I could actually lose right now. I'm holding on to it. You know, like, so, um, yeah, that's kind of when it became a reality for me, um, but like in my in my own head, I always believed and that I knew that I wanted to do it. But um, like Mike said, he knows me. I needed a little bit of a uh, more evidence before I was ready to to jump on in. So that's kind of how it worked out.
0: Hey, press. Nice. I I gotta I gotta ask you this. Um, I, I mean, we we're really close, and I don't know this, and I wonder. Like I felt the same way about getting drafted. Like I always had that like thought in my head, like I said, but do you think that's because the high school and college game is such a like team aspect and the business hasn't come into it yet because like once you got to pro ball like it blew my mind about like everybody's thinking about the next level who's moving and like that always drove me insane and when you said that I was like you know what like that that makes so much sense because I did the same thing, and you would think it'd be the exact opposite. Like, I didn't think about the draft until it actually happened.
3: No, I like I would be heartbroken if we lost a game. Like, it yeah at, at those levels. Like, not that not that I, mean, the, I went the to professional middle level. We lost yeah. a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> so like the the goal was win. So like if if anything else, it just proves like if you play to win, you can play at your best. You know, without even without even worrying about the other stuff. But um, yeah, pro ball is a different beast. Like there's a lot of, a lot more comes into play and a lot more is running through your mind. So it was, the game was much simpler prior to, to professional baseball, for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I appreciate Thanks. that. Thank you. I had to ask. Yeah, I, no problem. I love that
3: question. Yeah, that's,
0: You're doing my job right will. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Now, Vince, I kind of want to change this question up for you a little bit because sure. you unfortunately came into some injuries when you went, you were, you were looking at colleges, you were getting scholarships, but then you had an injury. So it kind of put a dent in things. Um, what, what did that do
4: for you as like an athlete? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, my high school career and days were, if I can put it nicely is, a uh, one word that describes it is just adverse. Um, and looking back on it, it's been my biggest blessing in disguise and what motivates me and inspires me to this day where, um, it was the most challenging days of my life where I actually did go with the yips my junior year, um, put a lot of pressure on myself, didn't have a lot of people in my corner with coaches that I thought I did, and uh, developed the yips. And I fought back, battled back, lost a lot of opportunities, played summer ball, came back my senior year, actually tore my ACL, so no one really wants to catch her with a bum knee. So it's almost two years shot in high school, and just had to reinvent myself and uh, there were some really dark days. Like, who can I lean on? Where's my friends at? Where's my teammates at? Because it's basically you ver- you and you, right? Yeah. That's all you have. And I uh, was lucky to get a couple of scholarships offers, chose to claim. But But um, again, it, it's been the biggest blessing in disguise looking back on it. And it's really elevated me to this point in my career and profession. And with these two guys, it's been awesome journey with and we're just excited. And hey, if it never happened, you know, we might not be here. So just got to look forward and forward so it's been great
1: yeah absolutely everything happens for a reason i'm, I'm a big believer <laughs> of that.
4: amen can so, i add a tidbit
3: yeah. to that real quick yeah Go um, ahead. is and everybody can speak to this is there anything that feels worse than when you're like do you ever feel more alone than when you're injured on a team like that's one of <laughs> the worst feelings it's like you're not yeah. even there anymore
0: well if you want to you know I, what i, I mean a, the, <laughs> i have I have something that will crack you guys up. Go ahead. Vinny. It's
3: like nobody even says hello to you anymore. You're just kind of there. It's like, well, what the
0: are you doing? Thing,
4: the biggest thing that really hurt me was, um, especially when I tore my ACL. During basketball season, I was playing basketball, tore my ACL during basketball. I actually went to every practice, every game, and felt a part of the team. And it really uplifted your spirit, especially going through, like, an ACL injury where it's, like, just a grind. Like, it's you and you in the weight room just getting back and trying to get back for baseball. But what really like motivates me and lights my fire till this day was my senior year. I didn't even get really a part of the team. I didn't even get my like Jersey as a senior, even go sit on the bench and attend practice. And we ended up winning the Whipfield championship, but like, it was like the, I like cried because I felt so uh, alone that I wasn't a part of something. I worked for my whole life with my teammates. And I use that to a chip this day and whether it was coaches or all the things out of my control, but like, Alex just hit the nail on the coffin. It was crazy to go from a, a roller coaster of you felt invited by your peers during basketball, then baseball changed. And it's like, who are you again? And that's so true. And just dealing with that of roller coaster emotions, it, it was a wild ride.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I never had an injury that severe, but like I know it was like my senior year of football. I I pulled my hamstring and I felt that same thing. I was like, I don't even feel like I'm part of the team. I can't practice for like two, three days, but it's like something like that. Obviously I I can't really relate to. Yeah. And
4: and the yips, the yips is like a whole nother thing. It's like you're a leopard. So (laughs) no one wants to be around you. Yeah, no,
0: that wasn't the yips, man.
4: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know Uh. now, now reflecting back on it. Mike's right. It wasn't
0: uh i so um my first injury was my senior year in, in high school and um i have a profession and and knee surgeries i've had five but like the thing about the first injury is like i did it because i was stubborn stress fracture first rib very very look weird injury did it while i was swinging i couldn't do anything for four weeks so i'm a senior last year um And it was miserable for me because I always was doing something super ADD all over the place sometimes. But the one that got me, it was my sophomore year. It was the next time I got hurt. And I just can't believe this happened. I had mono and I had like this rare case. And the doctor came in the room and was like, you're done. You're not going to play this year. And I said, yes, I am. Sorry. And we left, literally (laughs) left the hospital. And I wouldn't go to another hospital. So my mom took me to Chil- Children's Hospital and I stayed there for seven days. I lost 45 pounds. Um, and they said I had to gain the weight back if I wanted to play and I'd probably be ready for midseason. So I don't hear from my college coach and I'm the starting catcher going into my sophomore year. But the assistant coach called me and he's like, hey, just get better, like blah, blah, blah. I wasn't allowed to go to school for two weeks. It was my first quarantine. And uh, so when I got back to school, the first day I was there, I was, I I was riding the bike and my coach came up to me and he had this raspy voice. He just passed away. Um, Super old school, made me the catcher I was because he didn't, he literally expected so much out of the guys that were behind the plate. And I love that he had that, um, attitude but he goes ah McKenry, you don't exist until you can put on a uniform and catch i li- li- like not how are you doing not welcome back nothing and i go yes sir and i played the opening day hit two homers it was it was like a moment that like you know kind of defined me especially after that year i hit 169 had a huge summer uh didn't get to go to the cape Um, but it was, it was, it was a moment that like, you know, really hit home. Like for me that like, don't ever let anybody tell you what you can or can't do, um, in any situation, because if you don't go in with like a true ownership of all this stuff, you'll allow people to control your destiny. And with injuries, I had five knee surgeries and the first one that was because I'm an idiot was just recently with an ACL playing basketball, thinking I was still that kid, Michael Jordan, the driveway. Um, So like at the end of the day, like it it, it taught me something that, you know, gave me a perspective, stay on the field, no matter what. I played through things most guys, you know, will never know about. And I could add more surgeries probably because of bad luck. I probably did some stupid things, but like Vinny said earlier, like it was a huge blessing. Um, and every single instance, the five knee surgeries, the mono, the stress fracture, all the stuff, I'm so happy it happened, even though it put a bunch of dampers in my career because it's literally the reason, you know, like I'm so enthralled into mental well being, mental health, and probably was, you know, in a really cool place when Vinny walked in and we had lunch for the first time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry, but before we get into that stuff, I do want to talk about Vince's uh, uh, college career. And it does have to do with psychology, obviously. I just wanted to know, did you go into college wanting to do psychology? Is that something that was like instantly you're like, I want to do sports psychology?
4: Yeah. So honestly, I went in undecided. I had a high school teacher, probably my favorite teacher of all time, just tell me you know, like, hey, you have this demeanor and it feels like you're taking an interest in psychology. Maybe that's something you can do down the road. So that was always in the back of my head in my game plan going into college, but I didn't want to commit because I really just wanted to enthrall myself in baseball. Like I just came, got over the Yips. I just got over ACL. Now it's like time to shine and get back on the field. Almost 18 months, you know, grinding away. And uh, I really didn't even think about school, but ultimately the Yips came back my freshman year And I had a red shirt, so I'm like, dang, like, what what am I going to do now? So I actually started reading a lot, read a lot of quotes during my ACL surgery, during that rehab, and it really sparked my interest in performance psychology, you know, mental health, well-being, and uh, from all this uh, adversity and challenges led me to the field of psychology, I'd say, and, and that's just how I got started. So my sophomore year, the coach was like, hey, you have a little bit of scholarship money, And I really can't trust you because of the yips. Uh, We have to cut you, but we'll let you transfer. So after, you know, from junior year of high school to sophomore year of college, I'm like, you know, what the heck? Like I've battled, grinded this whole time. Like, so I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I lost love for the game, like hated the game. Didn't even watch baseball anymore. Didn't even look up the stats, the box scores. But I just enthralled myself in psychology because, I didn't want through anybody that I went through or what I went through to go through it alone. And I just really absorbed myself in psychology and it's led me through that path in the sports psychology, mental health, and uh, just the whole wellness of a human and just basically just caring for the individual and asking you, how are you doing? that's all I ever wanted. And he did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That kind of answers my next question that I had was how did you use that? uh, The classroom knowledge to help you on the field. And I think that kind of answers it.
4: Yeah. And I am a firm believer that without the previous experiences and hardship and especially in like the mental well-being element, like until you actually feel something and actually go through it and overcome it, you'll never really understand it. So it's good to hear the education side and reading the book, but I feel like what's been my separator is to really get in the shoes because mental health and wellness is not a one size fit all, you know, our emotions affect different people in certain ways, but if you really just care for that person and understand and be vulnerable, build trust and that relatability factor, uh, the experience oversees the book knowledge any day. And it's been it's been a great journey helping people and making an impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now, was there any time where, you know, you're you getting this uh, the classroom knowledge, the book knowledge? and you were like try you, you wanted to apply it so bad to yourself but you like did you have like an internal conflict at all
4: absolutely actually no I always just challenge my teachers because
0: um no not you
4: <laughs> I still
0: do <laughs> it's it Italian it. like that's right <laughs> oh yeah
4: maybe maybe a hint of virus too with the stubbornness but I always like challenge the teachers like hey the book saying something or even in my master's classes, like Hey, this prompt, like, you know, it's saying this, but you know, I don't feel that's right. Let me, let me type up thing. And I would get bad grades and I would fight it and argue it. I'm like, you know, psychology is beautiful because we're teaching growth in others, but no growth in the field. And with different theories and different psychologists, the only way to grow is to think outside the box. And that's what Mike and Alex preach all the time. Just think outside the box. And it's led us to this beautiful journey we're on. And uh, it's really been a game changer and a separator.
1: Yeah, I can kind of relate to that being a communications major. It's kind of a subculture of psychology, and I would do the same yeah. thing. I would always argue like, "Well, why why can't we do it this way?" or "Why can't we do it that way?" And I like you said you get the bad grades on the tests, on the essays, and it's like you're just trying to build your field.
4: And and the one thing Mike loves the word conviction and like <laughs> I always just had this strong conviction from my experiences like hey, I'm, I know, not that I might not be right to everyone, but I'm right for me. And yeah. I always just followed that like gut instinct and I wish I would follow it more a little bit. But like, I always just had that like strong will to just, hey, you know, you're doing something right. Just keep following it. Like your yeah. experiences and blessings in the skies didn't bring you to this moment in your life for no reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to bring it back to baseball and I want to talk about you two here at the bottom. Um, I want to talk about how you, you both you were drafted in the 2006 MLB entry draft. and I looked into that draft last night and there's right. some, there's some heavy right. hitters in
0: there. Yeah, good job. I never really <laughs>
1: realized it, you picked this, the wrong year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can say that you just you got lost because there's just too much talent. You're part oh, of the talent.
0: Actually, Obviously. you know, me and press like to say that we motivated. Those guys,
2: you know, like, <laughs> exactly. they, they
0: say, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. I mean, our draft class just saying, like,
1: <laughs> surrounded
0: by me and press,
1: <laughs> exactly. That's kind of it, kind of gets into my question of like, not really. Uh, well, first of all, I want to for whoever's listening, I want to kind of give a back, a backstory of who was in that draft. You have Evan Longoria, Clayton Kershaw, Tim Linsko, Max Scherzer, Justin Turner, and then you also have guys that became your teammates. Uh, you had Jared Hughes, Daniel McCutcheon, Mark Melanson, Brad Lincoln, and David Fries, who all ended up becoming Pirates. Um, and this brings me to my question of, do you ever th- go back and think like, you know, we were part of a very talented class. Like we belong with that class.
0: Go ahead, think. Well,
3: I think, hey, uh, hey, I think hey, that
0: we're, we're, we've always been like our, careers are very similar. I can't remember what route you, we were really close, weren't we?
3: I was eight. I think you guys were around. I was, it
0: was, I was, so I was around seven. I, I thought yeah. that was like really close.
3: Yeah, so we were of right course, in the same range, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I think our 06 Pirates classes what eventually led to Neil Huntington being the GM like the next year or two. So like, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the best class you've ever seen. Uh, but
0: uh, did you, so he didn't call and thank you?
3: he was trying to systematically get us out as quick as he could um (laughs) no i'm kidding um but yeah i mean there's tons of great players i mean we talk about i think from from our class uh with pittsburgh um uh brad lincoln um jared hughes who i played with i I hate to bring the cape up again but we were on the same cape team uh, so i knew him prior (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know it must have Wrote the wrong name on the invitation. I don't know how I got it. However you get there. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of great players in that class. Uh, like Mike said, like, if we could have just been another year, we might have made a little bit more money in the draft. But um, <laughs> we went when we were supposed to. So it worked out. Um, you know, he like he said, our paths have been aligned for a long time. Somehow. I remember him, I played against him when he was in Asheville. I remember you catching against me in uh, Pawtucket, it was before you got traded. Uh-huh. Um,
0: Great right to so, Pawtucket, man. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty special class. Was, there's a lot of seventh and eighth rounders that end up being pretty good players. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of shocking but uh, by MLB standards, but there's something about those rounds that some guys get lost in the shuffle, I think. Yeah, now, did
1: you guys, you guys have like a special draft story, like how it happened? Like, was it anything special, was it funny?
0: Um, I, I'll say this about, uh, there's one guy I wanted you to mit, uh, mention, uh, is Will Harris. Um, he went in the ninth or 10th round. He, he was with me and, um, his journey was so cool because, you know, he really didn't pitch that much at LSU until like, you know, his senior year really took off there. He got drafted, man. Like he came in, he was lights out and like fast track to that point. Cause the games really changed but like watching him do now, like doing what he's doing now, he went through injuries, he did this, they would kind of wrote him off and he didn't give up and, you know, signing that deal with the winning the world series with the Astros and then going to um, the nationals on a three-year deal is like so cool to see when you see like that guy that grinded all the way through and a good dude that um, just had it, you know? So I had to, I had to throw some love there for, um, He's a good buddy of mine and uh, yeah, absolutely. He's a really like good human. But I would say the biggest thing about the draft is like, for me, you know, when I got to where I was going, first off, they told me, Hey, you're going to Tri cities. I'm like, yes, that's an hour and a half from Knoxville, Tennessee. And they were like, you're going to Washington state. I was like,
2: <laughs> Oh,
0: okay. Um, I've never been there. So, and I got there and like, I thought it was gonna be like so different. I was in the desert. I was literally like in the part of Washington state that's not green, like the only part. And uh, I learned so much so fast because like, you know, how many guys were, you know, from the Dominican Republic, Australia, we had a guy from England and Italy. It was just like, man, holy culture like hit all at once. And I'm also doing the thing that I've always dreamed to do. And I'm playing in the biggest park that God ever created. And I realized how hard you have to hit a ball with a wooden bat real fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, like, it was it was just one of those things. And going back to, like, the draft class, it was that opportunity to see that next level. You know, because I went, you know, short season to so right above rookie ball. And you got to see things like I'd never seen In college, you know, a guy coming in, he threw a hundred, and it hit the backstop. It hit the um, Durham Bull. Like it was just like, where, where did this kid come from? And then the next three pitches are right down the middle, and I'm, I'm catching. You know, I'm like, well, I don't know what to say to him. This is kind of new to me. (laughs) So like, I ended up like loving those. Like I got so close with all those guys. I ended up living with a guy named Ishmael Rogers that we went through the minor leagues together for three years towards uh, the end of my first Rocky stint. So it just was the culture that like blew my mind immediately. Cause when you get drafted, maybe it's different for press. They just say, all right, um, here's when you're going. See you then. Um, Do I have like, do I need to bring gear? So like I brought like all my stuff I had no idea, you know, like, and I'm a Tennessee kid that's never even, been that far north and west. So I was just like, all right, let's go. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was fun, but it was it was like a crazy experience.
1: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, what I went to Williamsport was my first stop. And the one thing about Williamsport that I never liked because okay, first off, nobody on our team hit in that short season. We had like the worst hitting team. Like there was like an emergency our, our hitting rover came in <laughs> in an emergency visit that's how bad we were hitting so like
2: <laughs> panic 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 <laughs> uh
3: I, but yeah so like in Williamsport the dugout is so far from home plate and just the amount of strikeouts and everything else is just like the longest walk back ever it was horrible that's terrible. it's terrible is I remember some some old guy was heckling me and like if anybody knows me then this is kind of funny but like so like <laughs> I punched out, and he said something to me, and I, I literally was like, this is, "This is where we were at at this point." I literally held the bat out to him. I was like, "Here, you want to go hit?" <laughs> Back in the dugout, that's not my. That's not like how I do. That's that's how far I had been just like Removed. pushed to the brink. Like <laughs> yeah, from, like you said, being out of your comfort zone in college, like everything's just you go to a field that's way worse than your college field. You're just yeah. like, I thought this was the pros, and then. <laughs> Yeah I was it was a tough summer for me. Like, I, I had to really adjust.
0: But I, wasn't it a blessing though? Like I remember looking back at it and I'm like, you know, like I went to Middle Tennessee. I didn't go to Old Miss. We didn't have that type of facility, but like, <laughs> it really was like that. It was like, wow, like worse field, worse conditions. Like our batting cage, our, uh, we had, if we didn't have like a like, lifelong, tough nailed hitting coach, there's nobody on the planet that would have stood behind this net it had holes like they wouldn't even put strings on it so we had to like ghetto rig it and all this stuff and like we didn't hit either so we spent a lot of time in a cage and that poor guy just kept coming out and tossing and tossing so it was like man this is way different than I thought it was going to be we even played like a couple fields that like we got uh blacked out because like lights the bus you know didn't work you got all the fields right out of the gate so like I felt like it once again, the adversity can help you.
3: And it feels like you're, you are about as far away from the big leagues as possible at that point is what it feels, at least <laughs> oh. what it feels like.
0: Yeah. On a different planet. Yeah. To college. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. Now I want to fast forward a little bit. Um, and this is a question for Alex. So you get drafted in 2006. And in 2010, you get the minor league player of the year. Uh, you've only been in the league or in the minors for four years you were drafted in the eighth round is that something like what does that achievement mean to you you know being an eighth rounder like that
3: well the the four years felt like 10 first off <laughs> but it's good the thing about it for me was like leading up to that point like I had struggled so like that year was a big breakthrough year for me like nobody saw it coming in the organization I probably wasn't even on the radar at that point because I'd had had a couple of tough seasons prior to that and in, in a ball so like I had a good, I had a good year in low A and high A. I played two years there. And anybody knows that, like if you repeat a level, like that's not the, that's not the best thing in the world that can ever happen. So like, um, I came in, I just like had a complete mindset change going into that spring training. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to play hard. Like, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm going to try to be myself. Like, I'm not going to try to do things out of my capabilities. And that's kind of when everything gelled for me. So like, that year was a really special year because I went I went from AA to AAA, then to a call-up in, in 2010. So um, that's kind of the turning point in my career that year, especially, um, you know, while we're talking about you know, mentality, like that was a huge thing for me uh, mentality-wise. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now I want to get into I, – I was talking with Vince a little bit about this, and he said he has a good story about it. It's just – I. I could, this is the only thing that I could pick out of your guys' Pirates careers where you guys kind of intertwine and it's also a very emotional roller coaster of a two months that it happened. So this is a 2011, um, Mike, you had just gotten traded to the Pirates from Boston and you instantly make an impact. You got your first career hit in your first game with the Pirates. Um, It was really awesome. Everybody was like, oh, we got some promise in this new catcher. And then, so that's June 13th, June 27th, Alex gets promoted to the Pirates. Um, And that as a fan, like knowing who you were and like following you going through the minors, as a fan, it was like, wow, finally, we got like, we got that extra push. It looks like the team is really looking to win a pennant now, you know, just bringing up the young guy, giving us some uh, just more help, you know, to the lineup. And then you come to July 7th, Mike' it's a it's a it's something that probably lives in your heart near and dear you have your first career home runs a three-run shot what of Greg Brown's greatest calls ever I love listening to it um, and that helps the Pirates break 500 for the first time since 1992 that um, as a fan was just amazing it's like you really start to believe you know and now and, and I want to ask before I before i continue i want to ask vince what how did you feel about like that those events that had happened mike getting his home run getting us over 500 as a fan what was that like
4: oh it was it was awesome um i mean it was the first time in my lifetime they were actually winning so yeah (laughs) i mean since 92 i was born in 94 but like just to see the city, such a sports town where everybody just is glued to the TV, no matter if it's Steelers, Penguins or Pirates, even if they are losing, we live and die by sports. Um, it was just an exciting moment just to actually, we didn't have to watch out-of-market games to see a winner or like, it was like yeah. tuned into like every pitch, every strike like mattered just because, you know, winning just is just everything. <laughs> I mean, and just to see your hometown team start to like, you know, win some games and have some, some, some momentum going forward. It was just awesome being a kid who loved baseball and just loved the Pirates. It, it was great.
1: Yeah. I, I felt the same way. It was, you couldn't look away from the television when the Pirates were playing. And that's and you something couldn't, you couldn't say for 20 yeah. years.
4: <laughs> and you couldn't like, you couldn't like put in the words because like you, it was like this feeling for the first time. So it's like, what's going on it's kind of almost like culture shock where it's yeah <laughs> like wow it's, it's 7 5 i gotta turn the game on exactly exactly so we go from july 7th
1: and then 19 days later
0: <laughs> that's the one
1: that's the one uh, <laughs> july 26th um you, you play you guys play a long game longest game in uh, that is it still they go to a new stadium right in atlanta
0: yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. the old
1: stadium. It's the longest game in that stadium's history, 19 innings, and the unfortunate call by Jerry Mills. He's still hated in Pittsburgh today. Um, <laughs> it's very the thing that I always take away from that is that it's very reminiscent of what happened in the 1992 NLCS. And I just need to obviously talk to you, Mike, about what was going on in that moment when you turned around and he said safe.
0: Well. First off, talking about Spanky, when I got to meet Spanky, he walked up to him and he goes, welcome, welcome to the club. Gave me a hug. Cause I didn't go to spring training. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know that whole like realm because like I was always enthralled in playing. I became like a fan, you know, kind of later on, but like I grew up in Knoxville, there was no pirates. It was Cubs and uh, the Braves is all I watched. So um, that was like cool moment for me because like, when i came to pittsburgh how they really loved the sport like they loved their sports and they loved that grit that hard nose and they braced me so so much like i'm forever grateful i had to say that but um i wasn't grateful for this day <laughs> uh, you know it it really was if you look at the it really was probably more of a culture shock and a complete like explosion of morale Uh, all in one moment. And, you know, you're talking about like when Prescott called up and, you know, it it was, you could see as soon as you got there, like the welcoming that, that, that you felt. And there was a team aspect that, you know, can disappear. You know, when I I got called up at the Rockies, like we were in a playoff push, won 10 games in a row. And like, I was just there. Like I I was the young guy that, you know, was just there to learn. And, but when I came to Pittsburgh, it was just like, something was a little different. And I think you got to see it play out over the years, but that moment, you know, the one thing that really sticks out to me even more than the call was first Jerry Mills was really good all game. And um, I think he blacked out or, you know, maybe he needed an exorcism at that moment, but uh, I, I, he could have done the, like, what is it? The, uh, um, that movie where he's like, strike? And the crowd goes nuts, and he's like, yeah, all right, we'll just yeah. <laughs> um, But it. But it was heartbreaking for me for Daniel McCutcheon, mm-hmm. and what he did that day was the epitome of what a great teammate is. So we're out of pitching. I think we're in the 13th inning. Wait, let's see, 13th, 14th. We're in the fourth, 13th inning, and all of a sudden, Kutch comes down Jacket on cleats on well he's pitched three days in a row and we had a policy nobody could pitch three days in a row well if you know Daniel McCutcheon like very similar to me very high strong he wants to compete and he wants to help his team so he literally grabbed his gloves spiked they told him not to go he started warming up didn't like miss a beat came in five innings that got through just heart and soul um left on the field and that's how it ended and you know it took him a while to get like his mojo back and he had to grind through the minor leagues and i think a lot had to do with that moment um so i always give him a lot of props and i always tell people um because they asked what would you say to jerry mills and i said and i have no idea i was like the mom in the moment like yeah. i think i was in shock a little bit and i said you're going to be so disappointed when you see that on film later (laughs) (laughs) and then like all the guys like hurdle came snyder came they're just yelling like crazy at him and i was walking off like you're going to be disappointed (laughs)
2: like
0: but um my my you know who was hot and these guys will think this is funny is my wife jacqueline (laughs) steaming and i like i've never seen that unless like you know somebody like did something bad to like someone she loved like she's the sweetest person in the world but i i came out of the, the, the dugout and she like i was like whoa no
2: <laughs>
0: it was it was it was funny to see she was fired up
1: wow yeah and you say that moment the, like the strike you know the movie moment there
0: <laughs> uh, it, makes it makes me think down, of down, that's what it is
1: yeah <laughs> it makes me think of um there's that running joke about uh, the Immaculate Reception. It's like the the referee goes into the tunnel and he's like, "Was did he catch it?" He's like, "Well, if he didn't, you're gonna you better find a, a crew of police officers to escort escort you <laughs> out of the city." So it makes me think maybe if that was in Pittsburgh, he would have like asked somebody first before he made that call, and he would have been like, "Yeah, he's out." You know? <laughs> Hey,
0: hey, hey, we do have replay. It was part of the decision. Um, So, and and I'll say this, I never had him again behind the plate. Really? Six years. (laughs) Never, every time, even the days, and I don't know what happened. Like, I didn't, like, when he was behind the plate, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to probably play today, I wouldn't play that day. I don't know if there's, like, some (laughs) weird rule, or maybe they thought I was going to bite his head off. I have no idea.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Just let one go past.
0: Like, oh, oh, sorry, I got crossed up again. (laughs) No, I would never do that, guy. You know that.
1: No, and then what? What's disappointing is, it feels like that's that was the turning point in that season. It like, as someone who stayed up for however long that game was, I watched the entire (laughs) thing, every pitch. It literally was like your soul left your body when that happened. And I just want to know, like for you guys as players, what did that do to the team afterwards? Like what happened? If do you think that really did have a huge effect on the season or was it just like, damn, that was a game that we should have had, but we got to go to the next one.
0: Before you answer that, I want to, I want to see if you remember, I did a podcast, asked me a very similar question. And for some reason this popped in my head because like, I really thought about it, uh, before I went on, because I get asked this question a lot. You know what crushed my soul? And I saw our team just, like, get demoralized. So we had such a good culture. We thought we could come back from that in a heartbeat. I really believe that. And we came back ready to go the next day. But we went to Philadelphia after that. You, you know where I'm going with this, Press, right? Do you remember this series? So we went uh, in. Roy Hart, Cliff Lee. Cole (laughs) Hamill Worley when Worley was like
3: lights out my
0: young candidate so um, that's obviously my first time facing I I I did really well against uh Worley because like it wasn't the first three guys that I had to face but I think I struck out 412 times in three games (laughs) it was like I literally I, I was like I don't know what to do like I may have a hole in my bat like I can't seem to hit anything. And, like, it, they just seemed like they were on a different level. And it was the first time I had that, like, awe factor of, like, the major leagues. Like, these guys are, like, different. And they were all, like, at, having great years, kind of in the thick of, like, their end of their prime maybe or even the middle of their prime. But, like, they absolutely annihilated us. It was crazy. At least me. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i like for sure like the series after that like was something that
0: you probably ranked. you know, ranked that whole year
3: i probably got a couple infield hits maybe yeah and, uh, <laughs> no um yeah i don't know if it's just like one one turning point or not but like you know that series it, it's like you know kick you while you're down type deal like just really sh- you know shove it up your you know, whatever, it's a family show. I don't want to say anything. It's not. Um, it's <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a long season. It's a grind. Like, it's hard to pinpoint, like, one one turning point in a year. Like, there's so many ups and downs throughout the season. Yeah. Um, it's a lot
1: easier for me as a fan it, to say that than it, for you guys as players who live it every day.
3: <laughs> let's put it this way. Like, the, the, the streak or whatever you want to call it, it was defi- definitely something that was, like, we could feel – the weight of that to some extent for the fans because you we knew how passionate the fans were about it so like you know it was something that we wanted to you know bring and put an end to to move forward but I mean even if it was just going 500 in the season you know so um (laughs) yeah it's it was it's it's just one of those things where you know you you want to you want so badly to do it you know for your team and and for other people as well so it starts yeah. to weigh on you after after a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Vince, you said you had a funny story about that two month span. I, I wanna I want you to elaborate on that.
4: Yeah, so before we all, me, Mike, and Alex all got connected, that year I actually did my senior project for high school and uh I actually got to go to the game with John Prado, who you know, baseball reporter, wrote for the Beaver County Times in Baseball yeah. America. So we're in you know, it's my first time in the dugout, in the locker room. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, I got to do this interview with Alex Presley. He's like, you know, hitting real well. And I'm like, yeah, I know who he is. So, <laughs> But uh, backstory: I was actually looking for Mike because I actually ha- got Mike's t-shirt jersey because of yeah, a catcher. Yeah. Shirt. Had a support for the short guys and just the catcher grind. I had to throw
0: in the short joke.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. You know, you got me, but, you know, just, that was my whole saying. <laughs> but we actually interviewed Alex during that time, and uh, John was like, hey, is there anybody else you want to meet? I was like, yeah, I'd like to meet Mike and see who, you know, who else we can interview. But we interviewed Alex, got to meet him, and then I guess Mike was hiding in the weight room or training room, and we didn't get to see him.
0: Man, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. What about so this
4: was in <laughs> September. I think the Buckos were out of contention, but they were just fighting and beating up people. They played the Cardinals. <laughs> they won the game. I think it was a walk-off hit, and uh, I actually got kicked out of the Cardinals locker room postseason or after the game, post-game, because Tony or Tony La Rosa said, "Who's this kid in here?" This we're in a playoff push. We don't know any no kids in here. So the PR guy kicked me out of the locker room. <laughs> so while all this was happening, I got to meet Alex. Was in the locker room during all this, and you could just feel like the whole energy and you just felt like this wow it's awesome to be in here and uh it was just like this different feeling but I got to meet Alex and all that before any of this so it's kind of a small world on how it all revolves around back to where we're at today
1: yeah absolutely um I mean for me personally I think I've gotten Alex's autograph at PNC Park before (laughs) I had a hat actually this is kind of a funny story kind of really depressing (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh god, <laughs> I had this hat, right, and I I got autographs from several players around that time, on it, and it was like I got it, and I was like, all right, this is really cool, and then little by little, it's like, all right, he was traded, <laughs> he was traded, and I was like, this hat's not going to be worth anything.
3: <laughs> but we were like working- I said, that's it's that. depressing. But that's what he said after I signed it. He's like, Oh, this hat's shot. <laughs> yeah. <I got> that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it wasn't, uh, we don't, we don't, it wasn't from you, Alex. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> and then I, Mike, I think I probably saw you probably once at like a what? Are the, what are they? What were they? The Pirate Fests, or <laughs> maybe I no. I was gonna say I thought I met you at the AT&T uh, Sportsnet Studios when it was Root Sports, I think. But I think that, I I met somebody else. It was probably Stan Savin or something. <laughs> Who knows.
0: I look just like Sam. <laughs>
1: yeah, hey, I know I met somebody, but that was a while ago.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that 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 crew over there is they're such good people. So I'm sure you met a lot of them because they always go out of their way when someone comes in.
1: Yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I got to take a picture behind the desk. I, I was like, I'm I'm meant to be here, you know.
0: I tell you what, I'll if when COVID settles down and everything, if you want to come by the studio and see the new studio, it's sick. Oh, that would be
1: awesome. And that, that leads me into my next question. Po- it's, it's Post baseball. I figured that two months was kind of a really cool aspect of your guys' Pirates career may not have been the most positive, but it was probably the most relatable, I think. Uh, but now I want to ask you, how did you get involved with doing the pregame and postgame for the Pirates?
0: I got hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, so look, look, quick backstory. I, I'm, I sometimes get long-winded, but, uh, as a kid, I had two learning disabilities. I hated, I hated talking in front of people. That's why I was big reason why I probably was always moving because it just gave me an outlet. And, um, I got like challenged in a little bit in high school to like think differently and start to not crutch on that. And so, you know, I had a teacher that kind of like poured into me and, um, I started believing just a little bit. And then when I met my wife, she made me really start to believe my, believe in my ability to, you know, beat that. And I ended up beating it in college. I I, I did a, I took a speech class that she recommended. And the lady came up to me and she goes, I want you to do something. I don't usually do this, but do your outline and all the work that everyone else has to do. And then I want you to hand it to me and go give your speech. And I said, so no note cards, no anything like, okay. And I nailed it, I guess. In that moment, she goes, I read, I, she looked me up. She like got my transcript, saw what was going on. And she realized that I couldn't handle it all. And she gave me a new outlet and she taught me like where my strengths were and it made me unfearful. And my personality, when that, those type of things happen, I want to get better. So anytime I had an opportunity, you know, I started leading a Bible study. I started doing everything I possibly could to challenge myself. And over time I got better. And my wife, when I got hurt in 2013 with the pirates, um, Robbie and Spikowski came up to me. He's like, Hey man, um, I have kind of a random question. And like, you know, I'm hurt. They asked me to stay you know, work with the pitchers, um, do the scouting reports and whatnot. Cause I started to fall in love with that. And he goes, you want to do the pre and post game tomorrow? And I was like, um, uh, uh maybe like I texted my <laughs> wife and I'm like, what do you think? She's like, do it, like do it, do it, do it. So she says, go, I, I run. So I did it. And then they asked me to do nine more games after that, since they were on the West coast and Teak took off, uh, because those games were at, like, 3 o'clock so, in the morning. So it was it was that opportunity that kind of opened the door for them to call me at 2017. And I remember uh, Roger, uh, my boss, said, hey, uh, I'm not saying, like, you should retire, but uh, would you be willing to come interview um, once, your, once your season's over? I'm literally, like, in the dugout talking to him, like, well, now I'm actually thinking, like, why did he do do that? Like, is he watching me? Like, am I playing that bad?
2: Like,
0: (laughs) Literally like in first place in AAA, like it's going like, okay. And so the season ended, did the interview. Um, They told me I I got the job. Um, I was super humbled. And um, it was probably one of the coolest like moments and accomplishments of like something I dealt with for a long time. And they gave me, they literally gave me, Uh, almost three months to decide. So I trained up until the day I heard John Gruden make a speech about being an analyst and how it impacted him to get back into the game because the knowledge and the love he got from the game, being able to talk to everyone made him feel like um, he, he had the opportunity to like embrace the wide receivers differently the O line, the D line, because he could focus on just that. And I was like, okay, I think I may wanna do this, but I'm gonna call the one guy I think will talk me out of it. So I called one of my coaches and the guy is a baseball guru. They literally call him the catching guru. I said, Jerry, I got offered the job to be an analyst for at and He said, take it. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, one question. If you are watching a game and you're better than the guy you're analyzing, are you gonna be upset? I said, no. He goes, then take it. This is a rare opportunity for you to start to become a coach because that's your real calling at some point. And I was like, all right, well, I literally got phone. And said, well, I guess I'm retiring. <laughs> that goes. I know. I've already started your like, um, like goodbye because she's paperwork really- or whatever. Yeah. No, she wrote like the, like, you know, thank you to Pittsburgh Oh yeah, to like, help me. She was like, read it. Tell me if you need anything added, but like she was on it and she was like crying and it was the right decision. It was like the moment I called and no problem. And then the Dodgers called me back because it was the one team I wanted to play for um, because I wanted to catch Clayton Kershaw because we had like a weird banter and they called me back and like, Gave me like the kitchen sink for a minor league deal. And I was like, I just said, what do I do?
1: What do I do? Like you should have called me 20 minutes ago.
0: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I was like, yeah, you should have called me 20 minutes ago. And I was like, Michael, you're a man of your word. You be a man here. And you say, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope to analyze your game and bounce. So, and I got a really cool relationship with their assistant GM. Now we still like talk about it. He's like. You're the only guy that's ever like turned down like the second offer. You know, it was so funny. He's like, thanks a lot. This is his first year.
1: (laughs) Man, that sucks for him. (laughs) Awesome for you though.
0: (laughs) Hey, 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 trust me. We've become good friends and we've uh, talked about a lot of different players and I've learned a lot from him and, you know, obviously their system's really special. So it's cool just to, you know, see that family in baseball, you know, like, it's, it's really like a very um, special thing. Like me and press knew each other and had respect for each other because we played against each other in Hawaii. We played against each other in the fall league. And like, you just knew certain guys, like, man, I, I like that guy. I like to play with that guy. And I always had that like respect for certain guys. And then a lot of them I played with, cause I played for like 54 teams. So
2: <laughs>
0: it was really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now, uh, Alex, I want to talk to you about, uh, your background in psychology. Was it something that you always kind of wanted to do or was it something as a player you were like, you know, I kind of want to get to know the psychology of being a professional athlete.
3: It wasn't something I ever really thought about, honestly, like, so through, it's really weird. So like when, when you're young or when I was young, playing pro ball, um, I didn't really like, I didn't pour into teammates. I didn't ask teammates questions about how they were. And it's crazy, like the, um, you know we all go through ups and downs as players and um, some worse than others. You know, I I had some times where like, you know I had to figure out what was going on with me, you know, uh, what was going on in my head, try to, you know, make things work uh, from day to day. So like, I became uh, aware of myself at a certain point that like, hey I got to figure this out or, or I'm going to be in trouble. So um, through different, you know, tactics, I kind of figured out what worked for me, you know, some short-term, some long-term things. Um, but then as I matured in my career, I started noticing other people I'm like, he's battling right now. My teammates battling. I can see it. I see the way he's sitting there. I see what he's doing on the field. I know why, to some extent, why he's out there, pressing or whatever he's doing so like and and mike can attribute this because he knew me earlier like i'm not i'm not the most outgoing guy in the world so like and i may not be the most approachable type guy at least back then i wasn't and i started like asking questions to teammates I'm like hey man you know how's it going what's going on with you like i see that you're you're struggling here and i really started to like it i'm like "I, i feel like i'm helping people out like starting pitcher, it didn't matter who it was, he'd be off, you know, of course, like, there'd be days where I'm coming off the bench or or whatever, and I'd go sit next to him during the game, and we'd talk, and, you know, I'd tell him, you know, bro, like, you're you're fine, you're gonna be fine, you know, this, that, just depending on, like, what I thought was going on with him, or what I kind of, like, gleaned from him through talking to him, you know, plane rides, talk about it, Um, so I started to really like pouring into my teammates or, you know, um, helping my teammates out because I knew what it was like to struggle. And it's a, it can be a really lonely place when you've snowballed in sports and then you're on the biggest stage and you have to perform and everybody's watching you. And, um, so I kind of got my love for it through, you know, talking to teammates and helping teammates out that, or at least I thought I, I hoped I helped them out, um, uh, in some way, so maybe some small way, and hopefully um, some of them remember, but um, that's kind of where I started to to get a love for for helping others and serving others in that in that manner. So it's kind of carried over to to Meta New and, and and what we've been doing with Vinny.
1: yeah, so that that's perfect segue. Um, Vince, how did you get this Avengers group of guys together? To help you. Don't get it
0: wrong, Vinny. Don't get it wrong. This is just Mike's favorite. the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right uh, now, I feel like the uh, Pillsbury Doughboy.
4: <laughs> shout out, shout out to Twitter. I, uh, I had my business account, and uh, I liked one of Mike's tweets one day, and he followed me back. So I was like, "Ooh, this is kind of cool," you know, building the business. Got you know a checkmark guy, guy I looked up to. Makes so sense. I just. I just shot my shot and uh slid in his DMs, and I—I I
2: actually, I,
0: I actually
4: found it uh recently and kind of printed it out for us as a joke and everything. But it's not like, a joke.
0: Yeah. You framed it for me. It I right framed it. <laughs> and you, you put the you put the uh, little. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, really thought So
4: he's like sent it to my email. I sent him like my business plan, which we look back onto, and, and that's actual joke. Like for more. Thing and how we're growing from it, but uh, he's like, he's like, meet me for lunch. Can you meet me before game? It's like, yeah, I probably got like thirty minutes for sit down for lunch. It's like, yeah, sure. So I drove up to Pittsburgh, met him in North Shore. Ended up being like three and a half hours of just talking about life, uh, sports, ball, and everything. And it was just like hasn't stopped from there. And uh, Mike's like, yeah, I, I got this buddy of mine. I want you to send the your program. Hey, to. Hold on, you
0: forgot one thing. It was one of my favorite, the the best part, because this is so (laughs) unlike me. First off, like, you know, I I try to trust my instinct with like people and um, I just had something really crazy happen to me in my life. So like, I was trying to be like, because I'm a guy, I love serving. I love like helping people and it's gotten me in trouble. Like it it is what it is because I go all in and I understood that. So I walked in And Vinny had no idea, but like, I was ready to leave if this first thing I asked him didn't go the right way. And when I say Vinny nailed it, and if you know Vinny, like it, it kind of like shocks me now. And it, it really shows me that it was such a, like, like God thing that we connected because like Vinny would now, or at that time and the rest of that conversation would kind of go around his thought to bring you back to that thought and you had to kind of like read through it's just a psychology thing psychiatrists like <laughs> it's like they're trying to get in your and Vinny's learned the long way that like I like to get in the ootly oops too so um but go ahead Vinny tell him tell him tell him how that started so unlike me I don't think
4: I think I think I know what you're saying but I think we met one more time it was another like three hour conversation. She's like, "No, hey, do you I
0: not know, remember she- what I said to you, at Burgatory? The very first thing when I sat down, after we were like, you know, hey, I'm blah, 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 blah."
4: No, I think I was pretty nervous, and I was pretty like, so "You probably didn't know what you said. that's how." <laughs> I was- oh
0: man, so I sat down. We said hello, and you know, thanks. He said thanks for meeting with him. Blah blah. I said, "All right, ma'am, what do you want?" <laughs> I literally said, "Like, what do you <laughs> want?" And he just looked at me. And I was like, dude, like, I need to know, like, I've been, and I was straight to the point. It's was like, I've been burned recently. Like, um, what do you want?
4: Like, yeah, I remember now, because I had this, like, whole, like, spiel, and it was like, dang, it's not even two minutes in the conversation. Yeah. I don't even remember what I said, to be honest.
0: <laughs> you go, well, I, I had the yips, and I really, like, use your example to help me get through it and you want to i really would love for you to you know maybe mentor me and i was like all right what do you want to eat i love it it was it was it was like when i when i say that's so unlike me like i usually say yes before i even know what i'm doing just because i feel like i'm going to help someone and for some reason i did the one thing vinny does not like do well like he prepares as good as anybody when it goes to a business meeting and all this stuff. And like, I just threw him an absolute Clayton Kershaw, nasty O2 breaking ball in the dirt on top of the plate. And somehow he fouled it off. Perfect.
4: <laughs> Thank God for that. But and the and funny there, thing I is,
0: remember <laughs> that, that makes my day. Funny? Out.
4: But the funny thing is, is, uh, He's like, yeah, it's September. I'm going to be living back in Tennessee. He's like, uh, you know, why don't you just come down to my house for a few days? And like, I'm like, dang, we haven't even like met for a month here. I'm like, yeah, sure. I've never met Jack, his wife. I've never met, like, don't even I didn't know. Ask where... her
0: first. How do you think I had this? <laughs> it? Like, hey, I'm, I'm bringing this guy I met for lunch in three hours. <laughs> Maybe a serial killer, but okay, okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs>
4: So I am like, yeah, I'm going to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I didn't know where it was at that time. I was like, yeah, I'm just got to go where they got to go. <laughs> it just <laughs> felt hilarious. right, and it's been. He's like, yeah, I got this buddy. I want you to send the program to. He's like, yeah. Do you know who Alex Presley is? I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think I think me and Alex communicated over a few emails, uh, and then. I mean, the rest is history. I mean, it's just been, it's been a wild ride.
1: Awesome. So like what, what drove you to start your own business in performance psychology?
4: Yeah. So I was living in Florida at the time and I went to IMG Academy, kind of pick brains of like sports psychologists and they had like this mental mind gym and stuff and just see the lay of the land. How do you get into the field and whatnot? And I asked them a question if an athlete's struggling with something personal, you know, maybe it's like a mental health issue or just anxiety, stress or something, what do you do? And they're like, uh, well, we really don't focus on that. We outsource it. And I just asked the question, the guy I was like, what if someone just needed a conversation or, you know, just a breathing technique or something just need a little love, ask how they're doing. Yeah. We kind of stay away from that. So I was sitting on the beach with my best friend. And I'm like, Hey, I got this idea. I think I'm moving back home. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I moved back home, wrote this, but the two things that really well, I'd say three that really define me and why I started this business is one, become who you needed when you were younger, as my story goes from high school and uh two, the four P's. Pain turns into purpose, purpose turns into passion, passion turns into profession. And that's what's led me down this path to psychology. And three is adversity to let it build you and as me, Mike and Alex's stories, you have to go through adversity to grow in life. And that's really what started this whole business and this journey. I Sometimes I have to pinch myself because I don't know how we got here and how it was created, but like, you just follow like your gut instinct and like this knock and you just got to go with it. And it's crazy how things have aligned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like growing up, I never even thought of like, the psychology of playing sports and to have someone in my own backyard to now have a company that is helping kids and anybody really through all of this is really cool. And it's definitely something I think I could have taken advantage of as a young athlete. So it's really awesome that you're doing this with Meta new.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a dream. And uh, I've always said, I wanted to, I wanted to be a professional athlete, but just be in sports and just not just in sports, but, Really just help a human make a positive yeah. impact, not let anybody go through what I went through alone. That's really special to me. And that's what we're doing. And it, it, it's just a great, um, it's just a great feeling just to give back and give a positive impact on someone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now I want to talk about something that's been, it's taken over all of our lives. It's the pandemic, COVID-19. Before
0: what are you some- go there, Before you go there, I, I have to throw some love at these two because- Oh,
1: absolutely, Mike.
0: Obviously, like I'm, I'm the, uh, I guess I'm the problem child, probably. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was a kid that grew up in, you know, I went to psychiatrist, I went to anger management, like, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't realize all of that impact. So like, I had a different outlook on all that realm. And I took a class in college, and I always anything that I thought could make me better, I, I ran at it. But like, when I met Vinny. I was just out of playing. Um, I was always good friends with the sports site guys. Um, I would YouTube it, podcast it. Like I loved it. Like, but I always felt like they never, like kind of what he was doing is what my belief was. And I got to watch Presley come together with like, you know, his faith and his really care for, you know, his teammates in a completely different way. Like we train together, we work together. Like, you know, we'd we'd go to the trenches together anytime. And um, we're really, really close best buds. And like watching him do that, like if you talk to anybody he played with, they would be like, Presley's in a well-being wellness (laughs) business. Like, And like when I called him, uh, he's also in, we're also in another business together called tail it's dog business but that's just an investment
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and i just saw the opportunity. is like if this hits like this could be really good for you know our families and you know we both thought about giving money back if that happens blah 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 and i, I this opportunity started coming me and vinny i think we were about six months to a year in um i was mentoring and that's been my like mindset the whole time and Jack's even gotten involved with the mentoring and uh, she did all the designs and came up with that name Meta New and like, we've just been a big family, but like, what's been cool is seeing the growth of my two like teammates and even my wife, because we're, we're like literally telling everybody, like, we just want to care. Like, we're not a middle, like, we're not necessarily mental skills Uh, company we're not necessarily like we're a care company like we want to care for you right where you're at and like try to figure out like how we can teach you so you can teach someone else and it's never been about the money um like it's always like me and press he'll tell you right now like no no money's been passed hands because like the thought is like let's just do this see like how good we can be at serving people and not think we know it all and just you know, grow and grow and grow. And um, we took a different approach instead of like, you know, the normal, you learn business, you do this. And we we decided like, and I kind of challenged Vinny at a point. I said, Vinny, like, let's be completely different and let's give, 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 give. And let's see if that gets us going. And the fruits of it starting to really, you know, take shape. And we separated, you know, Vinny's name from Meta new and that was like doing surgery on siamese twins <laughs> that connected <laughs> you to a magnet <laughs>
2: but,
0: and that showed me the care vinny had and vinny went through some you know realization because you know my one of my business mentors my best friend i brought him when he came <laughs> to Tennessee, he got he got his dreams crushed and i was like this is the moment this is the moment and i really focused on you know, caring for him, like he wants to do in his original thought. And I saw the bounce back and I saw the want to, and you always know when a kid, because I love that mentorship and that's something I did throughout my career. And it was cool to watch the evolution to where we are now. And we're hitting stride and I'm seeing these two guys do things that like just six months ago, they wouldn't have been doing. And they're getting uncomfortable to get even more comfortable. They're owning their space um, and we're loving on each other. And like just the other day, we are talking about accountability and challenging each other and uh, making sure we really drive home our strengths and also like try to enhance the weaknesses. And we constantly are talking about how can we help this person? We don't know them. We just see something. Then he starts a text and it's like, half a novel and you know, like three words, three words. And then the conversation just doesn't stop for about two hours. So it's, it, a lot of people don't hear those things. And I think when it comes to businesses, if you really genuinely care for what you're doing and especially you care for your, your, your teammates, so to speak, but the people and you're serving and you're trying to shine a light into their life, but you don't care who gets the credit. You know, that's the ultimate yeah like team and culture. And that's our thing. Like, I mean, Vinny probably wanted to kill me at some point when I was like, Hey man, will you talk to this person for free? Hey, um, knock this out. And I was just like, I promise this is going to come back. And I was like, man, I hope this starts working soon.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, so, like nervous at some point because I was like, I know it's different, but it's, it's right. It feels right. And it really has like started to come around and, you know, Vinny wanted to challenge that you know, narrative in this industry and press was already that way in his mindset. So we've got a team that really feeds off each other and it's uh, it's rare. It really is like to have some guys you can lean on and, and make you better even outside of the business because that's more important for us.
1: Yeah, and I mean, whenever you go to the Meta new website, I think that that was the biggest thing that kind of jumped out to me is that it wasn't, it didn't even feel like I was going to a business website. Like it it felt like you were going to a website where people wanted to help you genuinely. And it, it all came from uh, there's a spot. I think it's on the homepage where it's just like, we want to know about your EQ, not your IQ. It's all about empathy. And I think that's something that gets lost a lot in sports is the empathy towards the athlete and the empathy towards the coaches and the empathy that the coaches give. So that's something that really intrigued me about Meta new
0: man that was perfect
4: <laughs> yeah that's that's spot on that's awesome yeah and just to share some love for you know mike and alex i mean i'm i'm crazy i'm over here mike might be over here but alex kind of is that like me and mike are like the yin and the yang but alex kind of kind of like levels us out and be like, Hey, let's, let's, let's chill down. Let's, let's figure this out. Like, <laughs> it's just this beautiful, like harmonious, like relationship, because <laughs> I don't know how Alex puts up with us sometimes. Cause I'll send like 18 texts in a row or like ramble on something or, and Michael go. And then Alex like, okay, well, what was that? Like <laughs> You kind of just bring it back to even keel. And it, it, it's just been a great uh, relationship and not just in business, but friendship and, uh, it's just been, like I said, a blessing in the skies how we gotten to this point.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, oh, sorry, Alex. Go no, I just
3: say it's it's really cool because, like, we're we're all very different, but we're all trying to go to the same place. You know, like we all have the same goals and mindset, but we just get there different ways. Like, you know, I'm very short winded. Mike's <laughs> long winded,
2: bro. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Vinny's very like, let's be prepared and write everything out on a essay before we talk <laughs> then don't even use it <laughs> and, then, and then throws yeah, it, took
0: it some time for throws it out. that was a big accomplishment for you it's cool so
3: like it's yeah it, it's all it all just comes together like Vinny said like it we all just work off each other like it, we kind of check each other in certain different ways like you know both of them get me out of my shell whereas like i reel them back it's kind yeah. of it's kind of kind of crazy how we're all you know right where we need to be as far as it, like the, the team goes and stuff like that
1: yeah it seems like you're the glue guy alex you're the guy that keeps everybody together <laughs>
0: he's I Brady. My,
3: i do my best
0: yeah he Brady. Like, Brady. He just like he's I'm just pulling... staying in the pocket <laughs> out, and he just nails us like he's like yep i knew it i, I thought Kenny <laughs> was gonna go left mike was gonna go right but you know reality hit me i'm like no they're gonna go that way and we, that's what ends up happening with. <laughs>
1: that's really awesome that you guys have that relationship and now I want to bring it back to the business itself. Once the pandemic hit, did you guys start getting special cases that you've never seen before, like that dealt with with COVID and like people still trying to play sports?
4: Um, yeah, I, I think it was just an overall majority, not just with sports, but just the human nature of people like dealing with adversity or this thing they can't control, right? Like when adversity hits, I mean, it hits you right in the face and how do you deal? And how do you respond? And not just with sports, like being shut down, but whether it was business professionals or just like talking to my grandma, like, Hey, like, let's not, let's not let fear control us. Right. We can, we can stand up to it. We can control our thoughts. We just have to control our effort and attitude, but it was this beautiful mix of just every walk of life. And you just see human emotions uh, be shaken or, in some cases even strengthened, right? Cause they didn't know they had that internal drive to really respond and bounce back. And it, it's been all over the place, but it's been another blessing in the sky, sort of say, where we're all humans. We all have emotions and it's just how, to, how do we function the best? And really, it's, it's really a fun, fun time just to figure out who people are and how, how can we make an impact and guide them to the right promised land, sort of say.
0: I would also say to, to add to that, Um, it was cool to see that we all had the same mindset when the pandemic hit, we wanted to have more knowledge, more understanding, challenge every narrative, no matter who said it so that we could better be prepared for ourselves, our family, and anybody that maybe needed us because Vinny saw real early, the, the lockdowns and the isolation was going to be something that was going to be really, really bad. Um, for mental health and well-being so like we li- we didn't if anybody needed us we went but the cool part is we all talked about let's go let's build out like what we can and I'm literally just getting over knee surgery so I'm hobbling around and I have this terrible um, allergic reaction and they're talking me off the like cliff of like depression because like literally it was like tore my ACL had this unreal like week of uh some I don't know weird reaction they don't even know how it happened and then they gave me a medication that gave me it again um it was wild and then my dog had a seizure and ended up having cancer on his back all within this space and then COVID hit and I'm usually like Ready to go and do all this stuff, and I like I was not in a good place, and I was like beat up. And Vinny goes, "Man, I feel like we can get a lot done during this. This this could be a blessing in disguise." I'm like, "Oh
2: <laughs> man,
0: I'm so glad I started mentoring a long time ago."
4: And I was mean, like, press "We, we press don't calls, stop now. Running, He
0: said the same thing. He's like, "You know, I think I really could use this time to, you know." sit down with you guys and kind of play a little bit more of the catch up because um, he wanted to really dive into foundational issues in the middle skills. And that's what we did. And then he started to ask questions about social media and different business things. And my wife was in marketing for a long time. And I ran a social media campaign for tail for a while. And we just became students and teachers all, all at the same time and tried to be what we could for anybody we could during that time because it was so uncertain and so uncontrollable and like Vinny said that fear that was consuming so many people you know for me and Alex and Vinny like we have faith but some people don't have that so like where do they put it so you have to play with their personality and let them understand like hey information for you could be the power you need you know some people need that separation like hey like if you can go outside, like go outside, get some vitamin D. We, we, we talked to people about the nutritional side of boosting your immune system. My wife studies epigenetics and presses wife, um, has a nutritional, uh, certification. She's a pharmacist. So like we had a lot of things and it made us ask a bunch of questions. And it was really one of those moments where all of our adversity and not pitying ourselves, even though I wanted to, came together all at the same time and they picked me up in the right moment. And we just went, it was, it was, it was a cool thing because it could have easily gone the other way.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing was we just wanted to be there for people. And I just think the biggest question that's missing nowadays is simply asking people, how are you? And just listen, just be actively listening to that person. Let them say what they got to say, but our whole thing is just brighten up their day, bring a positive approach and, we don't have to focus on the negative but how can we overcome it and grow from it and it, it's just been great yeah absolutely
1: alex anything to add
3: yeah i think i mean just when everything went down i think we kind of
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: i think we all saw it as a you know this is what we've been preparing for like th- there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be in pain people are losing jobs people are losing family members and friends. So, you know, it was our time to go at that point. Um, You know, we kind of uh, like Mike said, it felt like we kind of hit like a little bit of a stalemate and, you know, when, when everything happened, the quarantine and all that stuff, you know, we kind of realized like, you know, we're needed, we got to go. So um, we all came together kind of like, you know, it was almost like a, like a battle cry for us. Like people are going to need us. we got to get going. Like we can't, you know, we have people that we need to be helping so um it was a nice kick in the butt um blessing in disguise then a lot of you know a lot of negatives uh you know we're, we're trying to to give some positives uh, in a tough time
1: yeah absolutely and that's i think that's what a lot of people have met mi- or maybe not a lot of people but some people have missed with this pandemic is it was really a good chance to reset and reevaluate what you wanted to really do with your life i know for myself that's kind of what i did it's why i have this podcast now something i've always wanted to do and the pandemic comes you're you know you're just sitting at home not doing anything it's like how can you just how can you uh what's the word how can you take advantage of the situation you're put in and how can you flip it to be a positive positive? and i think that really relates with what you guys are doing with metanew a lot absolutely thank you thank you I appreciate All right. It. And now, since we put together a great pitch, I think, for MetaNew, I <laughs> think it's time to have some fun. I told you guys we're going to do some Pittsburgh sports trivia. I've been shuffling the cards here. Hey, and who well, knows?
0: I'll, I'll be right there, all right, guys. I got to go.
1: <laughs> but hey, who knows? Maybe one of you guys are the answer to one of these questions.
0: <laughs> I just hope I get that one right.
1: All yeah, <laughs> right. That'd be a little embarrassing. <laughs> All right, who wants to go first? I'll let you guys choose. Vinny. <clears throat> Vinny, he's the native. All right, yeah, we'll go with yeah, the – Yeah, I got a lot of pressure. The native Western PA man. Vinny, here's your question. Who recovered an onside kick to seal the Steelers' win over the Cowboys in Super Bowl 13?
4: My gut answer was uh, – is that Frenchy Fuqua? No, it was not.
1: Boo. I, t- I talked about him before the podcast it's the man that Rocky. signed Bleier. that helmet right there it's
4: Rocky Blyer <laughs> dang alright we're I've over let, one I, I've let <laughs> the city down I don't know if I can show <laughs> my face Vinny oh,
0: let, you let yourself down I know I mean. that's it
4: alright we'll, we'll as let as the bad, guys that live some as, Pirates history
0: it wasn't as bad as what Press did the other day to you but it's okay
4: Yeah, I I need to call my guy who can help me out with that mental problem now. I'm I'm in a funk.
0: Hey, I know a guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's see if the guys that made some Pittsburgh history can answer some questions right. Alex, we're going to go to you. Okay. What two players share the record for most games played as a member of the Pirates with 2,433 games?
2: i'm
3: gonna go i'm going back in the day with this you got to um i'm gonna go with maz as one of them that's a guess
1: okay is that one of them no okay perfect
3: <laughs> okay i'll start over then um but, oh, no, <laughs> what the heck? I'll, I'll tell you
1: this you were right but, when you said
3: you have to go mullet, way back dude? in the day it's got to be 70s it's got to be like willie Stargil and i'm going somebody I, else
4: i have one go ahead vince i need help Lifeline. Is, is one uh Hannes Wagner?
0: Yes. Oh, that's oh. A Hannes Wagner. Ooh, good, 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 good.
4: A little bit more respect for the Western PA.
3: Pie trainer. Like, I'm just
1: Alex. <laughs> you this is blowing my mind because you even said at the beginning whenever we were talking about this, you have to say this guy's name. Robbie Clemente. No, he didn't say There that. you go. <laughs> I,
0: I, I know one he's going to pick. Who's the other one?
3: I figured that was too obvious. I just, That's why I skipped over it.
1: No, I, I hear you there. Sometimes they're a little too obvious. <laughs> all right, Mike, we got the last question for you. What coaching position did Bill Cowher... Oh, I got
0: to let my walkout song play. That literally that. was my walkout song when I played, so I had to do it.
1: No wait, actually, I want to give you a choice. There's two questions left card. Whoa whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, whoa!
1: You could either go baseball with the Pirates, or you can go football with the Steelers. Um,
0: what? Mm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with baseball because I feel <laughs> okay. like you know, I have a chance to redeem myself there. Like, I don't want to miss a Steelers question. Like,
1: gotcha. Gonna... <laughs> All right, let's test your Pirates history. In 1992, what Pirates second baseman earned a Gold Glove? Ending Ryan Sandberg's
4: streak of nine. Oh, I think I know this. <laughs> We've used up the lifelines, Vinny. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get my respect back.
0: <laughs> I, I want, I don't know. If that, uh, I'll just do it. Uh, Giles, like, I think he's a little bit later because I actually was in camp with him. I'm just I thought he was hilarious, so we'll go with it.
4: I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's Jose Lind.
0: I would have never gotten Ooh. that
4: one. <laughs> I, I think I was going to guess Jay Bell or something, but I don't think he played second.
0: Uh, yeah, well, how did I guess Jay Bell? You said
4: 92, right? Yep, 92. Yeah.
0: He was, he was our hitting coach in 12. How did I guess that
1: one? <laughs> that
0: would have made more sense.
1: Hope he doesn't see this show. <laughs>
0: uh, I panicked. I need to work on my breathing.
1: <laughs> all right guys well thank you for joining me on back to the Burg. this is a lot of fun um and i just thank you guys so much for coming on
3: this was awesome thanks for the opportunity yeah. it was awesome thanks for having yeah. us appreciate really it
0: appreciate it hey vinny alex i want you to bust a question out at him i mean he's 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 the podcast sporty like he can't miss since okay. we're all
3: oh boy here we go vinny vinny i'll have bring, one quick you're, you're, my
0: hands
1: now. are
4: sweating now he's got to bring it
0: back Bring us back. Get a towel Uh, for him. Get him ready. Let's go.
4: You want Steelers or uh, Pirates?
1: I feel like I'm going to get Steelers right, so let's go Steelers.
0: Not a baby. You're going all Uh, in. I like it.
4: Where did Heath Miller go to college?
3: I know this one.
1: No way. I think I know. I think this is a callback. Is it Middle Tennessee State? Oh, no.
3: You want me to answer, Vinny? Oh, no. Go ahead. Virginia? Yeah. He went to Virginia? Yeah, you know he what? came.
0: I give, I, him, I, him. I give him the point for throwing some love to Middle Tennessee I had to.
1: State. I had to, Mike. That was
0: for me. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Thanks, pretty, Cody. Thank, Have a good appreciate one. Appreciate it. You too.
0: Take care. God bless.